This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, Senior Editor at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for you for another episode of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning podcast. I thank you for being with me on this Wednesday. That's right, it's hump day. That means one thing and one thing only. It is mailbag time. In the second segment of this podcast, you know what we do, my ride or die crew, like they always do. And I'll tell you what, there are a lot of questions today for the mailbag. Fans are concerned. Fans are wanting to know exactly what's going on with this football team. And I just feel grateful that you all trust me, in my opinion, that you're going to ask me those questions. I'm going to give you answers. And there were a lot of questions. I think the last I checked, we had well over 30. I'm going to answer every single one of them. You take the time to ask. I'll take the time to answer. That's how I roll with the mailbag. Which, by the way, if you want to do, you know, figure out how to ask a question, every Tuesday... Typically around noon, I put out a tweet. You got to follow me at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. And I say something along the lines of, okay, ride or die crew, it's mailbag time. Give me your Steelers questions or any questions. Some people ask me some really funny questions. I always use a Shooter McGavin gif. You got to ask the question below that tweet. So subtweet that tweet. If you just DM me a question or just mention a question to me, like I'm not going to answer it. I, I don't have time for all that. So... That's how you got to do it. Before we get started on this podcast, which the first segment is always, I enjoy Wednesday, the first segment. It's a chance for me to kind of talk about whatever I want to talk about. And so we're going to talk about some really interesting stuff, in my opinion. Before we get to that, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, it should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. For everything going on right now, the injury updates, injury reports coming up, we have news, breaking news, additions to the roster, uh, subtractions, all of it. Right there, one place, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Make it your one-stop shop. Also, our podcast platform, wherever you get your podcasts. doesn't matter what platform. Do whatever you have to do so that you don't miss anything. Not just my Let's Ride podcast every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but also the live mic on Tuesday, the Stat Geek on Thursday, our noon lineup, you know, Jeffrey Benedict's war, uh, Jeffrey Benedict's cutting room floor, the war room with Maddie Peverell. We have the fantasy football focus with Jeremy Betts, what Yin's talking about, and then all of our PM lineup. My goodness, it's 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 uh, I this isn't even counting like injury report podcast, breaking news, but it's what a Steelers diehard fan would love from a, a podcast platform. Which, by the way, we just keep shattering records. In case no one else has said it on this platform, we just keep shattering records. We set a new record in August. We broke it in October. We're breaking it in November. Thanks to you. Big shout out. Big thanks, by the way. All right, so let's get things, let's get it started. You know, here we, the one thing that's been the, the constant theme for me as I have my finger on the pulse of Steeler Nation after this ugly, disappointing tie to the Detroit Lions 16-16 to in Week 10 at Heinz Field was everyone has excuses. 
Everyone has excuses. Everyone's talking about why this, why that. This is bad. This is so awful. Enough excuses. The Steelers just need to be better. That is the crux of the first segment here today. That's the title of this podcast. Enough excuses. The Steelers just need to be better. It really does come down to that sometimes. I'm going to go through a list of excuses that have been used ad nauseum with the Steelers this season, especially recently. But anyone that knows anything about team building, whether it's in a business, whether it's an actual sports team, at some point excuses have to stop and answers, solutions need to be developed. And they can develop. I don't want people to think that, you know, when you're talking about some of these excuses that we're going to go over, that up, that that's just the way it's going to be. My goodness, the ebb and flow, the change of a team from start to finish in a 17-game schedule can be drastic. It can be really drastic when you think about it. Think about teams that have made really deep playoff pushes and some that maybe even won the Super Bowl that some thought were left for dead. Heck, just look at the 2005 Steelers. No one thought they were going to make the playoffs 7-5. and five. They go on a run. They get in. Six seed. We don't know how that finishes. The bus in Detroit, Super Bowl 40. They beat the Seahawks. They're still crying about it. Doesn't matter. One for the thumb. Bill Cowher, good for you, coach. Hall of Famer. So it can happen. It can change. But let's talk about this. Enough excuses. Okay, first and foremost, enough excuses about the prep. I wrote this article for Behind the Steel Curtain Dog. And when I say prep, I'm not talking about you know anything other than just preparation for the game. Joe Schobert, after the game against Detroit, I thought he had he made some very damning comments about the Steelers in regards to taking practice serious. So, you know, I listen to all these comments. I listen to the press conferences and things like that, and I'm listening to the Around the Locker Room video that the Steelers produce on their own, and they put out to the public. And Joe Schobert, I heard it. I heard it the first time he said it when he said, maybe we just need to take practice serious. And I was like, whoa, that's a red flag. And I heard that, and that's that's serious talk right there when you say that the team needs to take practice serious. So he continues the next answer. He says it again. That maybe we need to take practice more serious. And now I'm thinking, what, this is this is a shot across the bow to every single player on that team and, in my opinion, every single coach on that team in that organization. My goodness, the, the prep, that stuff cannot be an excuse for this team. And if Schobert's job was to go out and make this public and have writers like me and websites like mine at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com write that article – and shine some light on it, and I know Mike Tomlin poo-pooed this in his Tuesday press conference, but still, that goes public, that should change something. Enough excuses. I'm not no, not using that excuse anymore. Next, the tackling and execution. The tackling has been a talking point with the Steelers fan base now, going all the way back to before the Seattle Seahawks game in Week 5, which was a Sunday night football affair at Heinz Field, and it gets and it rears its ugly head again. It seems like there's definitely an ebb and flow to the tackling in the Steelers organization. You know, they tackled well against Cleveland, and then they come off of that, and they had some issues against Chicago, but it wasn't horrible. And then we double-digit missed tackles. We'll put it that way against uh, the Detroit Lions on Sunday in Week Ten. But the execution in general, again, I'm not excuses. No, like weather. No, execute. Mason Rudolph, he said, you know, the glove stuck to the football a little bit in the second half. That's how Ray Ray McLeod was open on that, you know, first and first first and goal from the five, and they ended up throwing incomplete. And he said that the ball kind of got stuck to the glove. I don't care, man. It's enough excuses. 
The weather, not an excuse. Kendrick Green snapping the ball ahead. It's not an excuse. Execute. Get the job done. And tackling especially, you hear Mike Tomlin talking about how they have to understand their leverage, and they have to understand their approach, and they have to do this, that, and the other. Enough. Just do the job. No more excuses. The next thing, coaching slash adjustments. I'm sorry, but, you know, our Jeffrey Benedict, he he did a great job pointing out some of the things, and there's going to be a a couple articles probably coming out about this, especially the Steelers Vertex article that he does with Dave Schofield, about how the Steelers, you know, you surrender 180-plus yards on the ground in quarters two and three. In the first quarter, you completely stymie them, and in the fourth quarter, you make an adjustment. Why did it take so long? Like what? Okay, so the adjustments. You're saying something happened in the second quarter? And then a halftime adjustment was made, and they they readjust. Mike Tomlin talked about how Dan Campbell was making the play calls and not Anthony Lynn, and that was a, a change for them. Again, sounds like more excuses to me. Coaching has to be better, just like the players have to be better. No one is, I guess you could say, innocent of the other. I'm not ever going to say it's all the coach's fault, and I'm never going to say it's all the player's fault. They both are to blame, and both of them lean on certain things in regards to excuses. It should be done. Time to be better. Make those adjustments. I think sometimes coaches, and anyone that's coached at a high level, I'll say high school varsity and up, you do second-guess yourself, and that's natural. You do second-guess yourself. I think it's time the Steelers coaching staff really starts to gain some trust in their players and in themselves, and that'll make a world of difference. Next, injuries. I don't want to hear about Steelers injuries. You want to talk about injuries? Just look in the division. Look at the Baltimore Ravens. I think they're on running back 15 for this season, and that's an exaggeration. It's not 15, which, by the way, Le'Veon Bell was released today. I found that very funny. found it hysterical. I laughed out loud when Michael Beck put that in our Slack channel. I don't know. There's certain people that you just don't root for, and he's one of them. But nonetheless, I digress. The injuries. Every team has them. Every team has them. So, yeah, Juju Smith-Schuster's gone for the year. That stinks. That's one player. Tyson Alawalu, probably done for the year. Yeah, that's bad. Stefan Tuitt, you know, he's banged up. Hasn't been able to come back. I understand. But you can't say that other teams don't have injuries. You can't say that they're not dealing with some of the same issues. They just have better depth. They are able to make those adjustments. They're able to coach them up. Injuries can't be an excuse sick of it and lastly you know you have these you know you trade away Melvin Ingram and now all of a sudden they've got some COVID issues with Ben Roethlisberger testing positive and Minka Fitzpatrick testing positive and even though Ben Roethlisberger could be back this week Mike Tomlin said on his Tuesday press conference that you know Ben might miss the early portions of the week it, it all depends on him being symptomatic it depends on him testing negative Minka Fitzpatrick we're not sure about the intricacies of his deal if he's asymptomatic he could technically still play as well but you can't use that as an excuse. You can't. You just have to go out and you got to make do with what you have. You think about like the excuse of, oh, well, I wish they still had Quincy Roche or I wish they still had Jameer Jones. They don't. I wish they still had Melvin Ingram. They don't. Enough excuses. This isn't for the fans, by the way. Like Fans will talk about all this stuff. I get it. This isn't for the fans. This is for the organization. You start to see some of these excuses. These are crutches that players can lean on when they don't perform well. Well, it was wet outside, and, you know, it was tough sledding, and the turf was bad. No, 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 no. When you have a tackling issue with your team, and you're not seeing a tackling issue with the other team, 
Ask yourself the question why. Now, the last thing I want to say before we take a, for a quick break, before we get to the mailbag segment, is I'm seriously sick and tired of these people, and the, this is for the fans out there, and we've had some podcasters on this platform that are just bemoaning the team, and this team is so bad. They're so bad. They're never going to win that game. You know what? Understand this. This goes to any fan out there that's listening to my podcast every Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning, and says, you know what can happen? Improvement can happen. So yeah, are they a bad team right now? I don't think they're bad. Are they great? No. Are they good? I think they're pretty much a middle-of-the-road team. I think they can, if they are if they have players like Ben Roethlisberger available to them, I think they can hang with any team in the National Football League. They can beat any team, and they can lose any team. That's what I think the Steelers are right now. But it is possible that improvement can happen. Just because you tied the 0-8 Lions, now 0-8-1 Lions, does not mean that it is a death knell for the rest of the season. You know players like Dan Moore Jr. and Kendrick Green, if they stay in that lineup, which I do think they will, they're going to improve. They're going to gain experience. They're going to get better. Najee Harris, even though he's already the best offensive player on the team as a rookie, he's going to get better. You look on the defensive side of the ball, some of the young players like Isaiah Loudermilk, you, people were acting like there's no way for these players to ever improve. It can happen. And on top of that, pleasant surprises can happen. A player like Dan Moore is a great example. Trey Norwood, another great example. Players that when you drafted them at their specific spot in the draft, fourth round for Dan Moore, seventh round for Trey Norwood, you never once in your wildest dreams imagined that they would be a contributor this season in 2021. But here we are. They are. They're making contributions. So if you're someone out there that says this team stinks, they're not going to go anywhere, they're not going to make the playoffs, how in the world can you say it right now? We're at the midway point. Let's buckle up, people. It's not going to be an easy it's not going to be an easy trip. It's going to be a rough ride with some turbulence, but this team can improve. They can improve, but enough of the excuses, enough of the excuse making. It's time for this team to just be better, and they can be better. And maybe they'll start on Sunday night football, maybe they'll shock the world and beat the Chargers. We'll talk about that more on Friday. But when we get back from this break, we're going to talk about the mailbag. That's right. I answer all my Ride or Die Cruise questions on the Twitter mailbag. Stay tuned, be right back. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second segment of this Wednesday podcast. It is my favorite day of the week. Why? It is mailbag time. It's the time when I put on Twitter. It's time to ask some questions, and you all never disappoint. I have some questions that are off the wall. I have some questions that are pretty much household questions, but I I literally just open up my Twitter, and I read the questions as I scroll down the screen, and I answer them. So whatever order they pop up is the order that I answer the questions, and it just so happens that the very first question in this mailbag comes from good friend of mine, Dave Schofield, editor of BTSC, host of the Stat Geek, co-host of the Preview and the Scobro Show, and a bunch of other stuff. Dave asked this question. This is regards to the fact that I always use a Shooter McGavin gif in my tweet. He's my favorite villain in any comedy. Here's what Dave asked. 
Since the camera tower was blocking the green on the 18th hole, technically, Dave, it was on the green, not blocking the green. Anyways, had Happy Gilmore missed the shot and had to tap in for par, could they have replayed the 18th hole or would it have ended in a tie? And if they did, would Happy have won his grandma's house back? How do ties work in golf? All right, Dave, a lot of questions there. I'm going to answer them all. First and foremost, every single tournament, if there's a need for extra holes to be played, typically has a pattern or a hole or two set up that they will play. Some uh, tournaments, they will go back to hole 17 and then play. If they are still tied after 17, they go to 18. If they're tied after 18, they go back to 17. Um, if there was an instance where there was a, something like a, I don't know, a media tower on the green, they would go and play another hole. There are no ties in golf. Uh, if, if it gets too dark, they will continue the tournament the next day. What most people don't know is that even in a major tournament like the U.S. Open, if there's a tie, they don't go to extra holes. They play another 18 holes the next day. That happened with Tiger Woods and uh, Rocco Mediate. They had to play an entire 18 holes the next day. So uh, would have had, if Happy didn't make that putt um, and it ended in a tie, then they would have gone to another hole. They would have played it, and if Happy wins, he gets his grandma's house back. If not, well, we know what Shooter would do. Shooter, there are no ties. All right, next question. John Rollison asks, I'm no Tomlin hater, but I'm starting to question his coaching ability. For the past few years, late season collapses have been common, and it seems that Tomlin might not be hard enough on the players in practice to prepare them for the season. What's your take? Hashtag Ryder Die Crew. Well, John. My first inclination and my first reaction to your question is that I always go back to in 2007, Mike Tomlin's first season with the Steelers, and it's funny, I was watching the 2008, uh, the Super Bowl 43 America's game, and I saw a young Mike Tomlin talking about how he, he, was, he was grinding his team to a stump. So when you talk about you know, late season collapses and like, is he not hard enough on the players, he has to always probably think back to that season, that 2007 season. That was the year that Jacksonville came in and ended their season early. That was a good football team that he had inherited in 2007. And they all said it. Heinz Ward said it. Jerome Bettis said it. Troy Palomalu said it. Who's this young coach and why is he doing this to us? Why is he being so hard on us? And, and Mike Tom was trying to, he was trying to send a message. You know, he's the one in charge. He was a young guy, young guy. I think 34, maybe when he took over. But still, it's a situation where Tomlin has to know his team. And right now, they do have some injuries. And while I said in the first segment that's not an excuse, that's reality. They do have some injuries. So you got to ease off in certain areas, and you got to push them through in certain areas. He's been doing it a long time. I trust him. Next question, Ryan Carter asks, Do you think the Steelers will rotate Devin Bush and Robert Spillane more often? Bush seems in his head most of the game. His tackles are no longer reactive. They seem more responsive to what is already developed. Thanks. Hashtag Ryder Die Crew. Thank you, Ryan, for the question and the hashtag. So for me, I could see them going to some type of three-man rotation. I was impressed by Joe Schobert uh, against Detroit. I thought he played his best game as a Steeler. Uh, but at the same time, I'm not sure how you do that rotation. And, De and you know, Devin Bush is used to staying on the field the whole time. Joe Schobert's used to staying on the field as well. Um, I think that they will think about some type of rotation between the inside linebackers to keep everyone fresh and also to get the best player on the field. If, if Bush is struggling, then you put Spillane out there. At this point, 
draft status be damned. It, it's you put the best players out there. If he's struggling, then maybe he needs to sit the bench for a little bit. Ben P asked, do you think that Carl Joseph is ready to start? Also, do you have do you like to have a bell cow running back or do some or do something like the Cardinals? My wife is a James Conner fan and constantly says Steelers should have used him as a rotation piece. Hashtag Ryder Die Crew. Well, Ben, I think that when they drafted Conner, the idea was for him to be a change of pace back and, and someone that could help alleviate some of the pressures of lay off Le'Veon Bell. Remember, Le'Veon Bell decided to sit out an entire season and that thrust Conner into the starting role. And he thrived. He did well. And then he turned into the bell cow back. For me, I like to have a primary ball carrier. I like someone that is going to get the majority of the carries. And then I also like to have someone that is capable, especially as a change of pace back, that can come in, play sparingly, third down back, good out of the backfield, can catch, can pass block, but also can carry the load if need be. My favorite of all time, probably, Moweldy Moore. Moweldy Moore was the perfect change of pace for whether it's Willie Parker, whether it's Jerome Bettis. mainly with Willie Parker, but Willie Parker was the fast guy and Melody Moore was more sturdy. He definitely had a different build to him and he carried that offense on more than one occasion as the runner. So for me, I kind of like it. So let's say Anthony McFarlane turns into that for Najee Harris, then I love the backfield. I absolutely love it. Your question about do I think Carl Joseph is ready to start? If not now, when? That's my question to answer your question. If not now, when? Next, Justin Mitchell. Since the Ravens release Le'Veon Bell, should the Steelers kick the can on a possible return? Is Snell better than Bell? Well, Justin, I don't want anything to do with Le'Veon Bell. If he can't make it in the run-happy Ravens organization, what would he do with the Steelers? And If the Steelers do sign him, by the way, be on the practice squad. So this guy's going to wait. He's not going to do anything except for put out crappy rap songs, and then eventually they'll hope that someone gets hurt and they need him back and he'll be there. I would say that right now, Snell is better than Bell because Snell at least plays special teams. I've seen Snell make tackles on special teams, something Le'Veon Bell will never do. There you go. MDibs24 asks, with seemingly every team looking like they have flaws, what teams do you think are playoff locks? This is a difficult question based on the fact that I feel like the NFL, not just the AFC, is completely wide open. Every time you think you have it pegged, that a team is a lock for the playoffs, they end up struggling. So for me, when I think about a playoff lock, I have to look at divisions where I think that this team is going to run away with it. So I think about the Green Bay Packers. I don't see any real competition for the Packers. Maybe Minnesota, but not really. I think Green Bay is a lock to make the postseason. Um, uh, and then you look at other divisions, and there really are no locks. Really, It's, it's incredible. Maybe if you go to... My gosh, I don't know if anyone wants to win the AFC South. Tennessee probably will run away with that one. But the AFC North is up for grabs. AFC East anymore with the New England Patriots. And I guess maybe they run away with it. But the Buffalo Bills, no, they're not going to run away with it. I forgot about the Bills. The Bills, I mean, it's wide open. That's what I'm trying to say. Very interesting, very strange. Believers, dot, 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 ish. (laughs) I love that. Says, okay, I hold Mason to a higher expectation in this game. He has been on the team for years, has started many games, and gets plenty of starter reps with all of Ben's vet days off and injury days. No excuses. He should have been prepared. Hashtag ride or die crew. Well, I guess my question for you, believers-ish, is well, where did Mason fail the team? 
And I said it on Monday, and I stand by my word, that I felt that the interception that Mason Rudolph threw was a huge change of momentum in the Detroit Lions' favor. The Steelers were dominating that game at that point. But other than that, I mean, Mason Rudolph, he, he played like Mason Rudolph would play. I don't know what people expect from him. He's not Ben Roethlisberger. He's not going to go out and light the world on fire. He did what I thought he would. Did I think he was going to throw 50 times? No. No, I did not. Never in a million years would I have predicted he threw throws the ball 50 times. Nonetheless, I think he could have played better, but he wasn't the reason they lost. Not, in, not I don't think for a long shot. All right, MDibs24 asked another question. Is there any player that you are looking forward to seeing in-game action, i.e. Carl Joseph or someone like him? Well, um, I'm actually kind of, if, if the Steelers are without one of their guards, I'm kind of anxious to see what B.J. Finney brings. I mean, we've all seen B.J. Finney before. I've always felt he's a better guard than a center, um, so I would put him in that category. Uh, also, I think that when you think about on the defensive side of the ball, yeah, someone like Carl Joseph, I don't, I'm not anxious. I'm excited to seeing it, but I, I want, he's a first-round draft pick. He's someone that I've said, how can Carl Joseph not be better at the nickel spot than Arthur Millette? Well, we'll get to see. We'll get to see. The coaches see him in practice every day. We don't. But, I, yeah, I'll put Carl Joseph on that list. Big Ben equals the king of Ohio. Love that Twitter handle. He said, who could put down more soft serve ice cream? This is from the dispenser to the mouth in one shot. Okay, this is this is interesting. Big Ben, Casey Hampton, Big Dan McCullers, Isaiah Loudermilk, or Mark Madden. <laughs> he threw in Madden at the end. Okay, um, I'm not touching Mark Madden. No way, shape, or form. I'm going to go with Big Snack. Even though Dan McCullers actually has a size advantage, Big snack by far. He's the only player that I can ever remember failing the run test under Bill Cower, at least that I remember. And so he always had, they call him Big Snack. I think when it comes to soft serve ice cream, are we talking the, the are we talking the swirl? Are we talking just chocolate? Are we talking just vanilla? These matter. I'm still taking Big Snack. Uh, the fact that you put Big Ben on there is even funnier. All right, Steeler Dealer, he says, Jeff, parody seems to be the rule in the NFL today as the owners wished, but parody seems to have spawned mediocrity. Agree or disagree? Hashtag, he says, ride or die. Thank you very much, Steeler Dealer. I appreciate it. That's an interesting point. Did parody spawn mediocrity? I don't know. I mean, you still have like the, the cream of the crop from an organizational standpoint. You, you know, the Jets are still the Jets. Uh, you still have the teams like the Ravens and the Steelers, and while they might not be running away with anything, they're still extremely competitive in a very well-run organization. The Packers, the Chiefs, I mean, all these, they, they become institutions in the National Football League are still doing what they do. So has it spawned mediocrity? I, I guess yes, the answer is yes. However, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, especially when your favorite team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, seem to be the kings of mediocre this year. Keep that in mind. Bring them all back down. Blitzburg Squad asks, with it seeming like Minka not playing this weekend, who in the secondary needs to step up? I know people are mad that Minka hasn't produced splash plays, but he leads in tackles and flies around the field. Hashtag Ryder Die Crew. I love the fact that you at least admitted that Minka Fitzpatrick is making plays that are not interceptions, stripping the ball or picking up force or picking up fumbles and running them back for touchdowns. You can't always expect those from players. You couldn't even with Troy. So with Minka being out likely 
it's not official, but likely being out. I think that what you have here is you have a situation where, and Mike Tomlin said this in his Tuesday press conference, you are going to have multiple players trying to fill Minka Fitzpatrick's role. So it's going to be Trey Norwood. It's going to be Carl Joseph. It's going to be Miles Killebrew. It's, it could even be uh, Terrell Edmonds on occasion. They're going to have to put a lot of, maybe even Cam Sutton. It might even be Cam Sutton. He's played some safety too, but they're going to need a lot of people to really help because Justin Herbert can sling the rock. We'll put it that way. Lori asks, is this offense missing Juju? I think having him would have made a difference in the last two games at least. Hashtag ride or die crew. You know, you think about a game like Detroit. Yes, I think you do miss Juju Smith-Schuster in that game. He's a player that he thrives on those tough catches, those tough yards, even in tough conditions. Uh, and yeah, he's also like the leader. He's the elder statesman, even though he's not the biologically the oldest on the team. But he's like the elder statesman of that locker room in the wide receiver room. And so I think that, yeah, in a way they are missing Juju Smith-Schuster. But from a production standpoint, I think they're okay. And I think they will be okay. But, yeah, I think in a way, yes, they do miss Juju. Brian Haynes asked a slew of questions. Here's the first. He said, do you see the Steelers reclaiming the North earlier than Week 18? Well, you don't reclaim something you already have, unless you're just talking about taking over first place. If you're saying, well, they win the AFC North, then they already won it last year, so they wouldn't reclaim it this year. But if you're just talking about taking over first place, I think they could absolutely overtake uh, the first place seed before Week 18 because they still have two games against Baltimore, and they still have a game against Cleveland and a game against Cincinnati. There's a lot of time for a lot of change within the division rankings. Aiden Blaine asks, who in the secondary are you expecting to step up the most in potential absence of Joe Hayden and Minka? Well, I currently answered Minka. With Joe Hayden, the Steelers have made it crystal clear that they are going to rely on James Pierre to do the job. You like it or not, that's neither here nor there. That's who they want to do the job. Uh, so Joe Hayden's replacement is going to be James Pierre, and he uses hashtag Ride or Die Crew. Thank you, Aiden. Brian Haynes with another question. Can the Steelers beat the Chargers without Ben and TJ? That's tough. That's a tough ask. But as we're finding out, breaking news during this podcast being recorded is that the Chargers will be without uh, one Joey Bosa being placed on the reserve COVID-19 list. And there's another player that I don't know off the top of my head, but they have two players going on that list. So things are kind of evening out a little bit. I'm not saying that I'm hoping for an outbreak. I definitely don't want the game to get postponed. Trust me. But uh, in that regard with no Bosa, maybe they have a chance. We shall see. Another one from Brian. Who's the biggest person the Steelers need to get back? It's TJ Watt. TJ Watt is that important to the defense. Gene Oshie, I hope I said that correctly, said with how the defense has been playing, and all the starters that are out until we, I'm sorry, let me start over. With how the defense has been playing and all the starters that are out, will we and should we see players such as Akella Witherspoon, Carl Joseph, and Khalil Davis this week? People forget about Khalil Davis on the defensive line. I say some new blood might not be a bad idea. Gene, I agree. This is the time of year where you, sometimes you got to mix it up. And so maybe that's Carl Joseph. I would assume that if Joe Hayden cannot play, although Mike Tomlin said that he might still be able to go, but if Joe Hayden can't play, that I would imagine that Akella Witherspoon will be active. Carl Joseph, if Minka can't play, will probably be active. Khalil Davis is the one I'm not sure about. I'm not sure about Khalil Davis, so we'll see. But I agree, a new blood is not always a bad idea. Brian asks, what's your best 18-hole game? 
I am assuming you're talking about my the, my lowest round ever of golf, and he uses hashtag Ryder Dacry. Thank you, Brian, for all the questions. My lowest round ever was at Moundsville Country Club in Moundsville, West Virginia. It was the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, this was about, I guess now when I think about it, it was probably about six years ago, and I shot a one under par 69. It was my dad kept saying it over and over again. Don't wake him up. He's unconscious because I literally – Every drive was just straight as an arrow, hitting greens in regulation, making tough putts. Uh, just and and you you got to get some silly some silly breaks. And I was making some crazy putts that day. I, I'll never forget it. And believe it or not, never shot even par. So I felt, my lowest round is one under, and then after that, I've had a couple one overs, two overs, but nothing under par after that one. Good question. Thank you. SWAT kicking chicken says i figured with no ben against the lions a canada would pull some tricks out of his bag that ben knight ben might not have been willing to do but it just seemed like the same old offense did you think the lions game could have been canada's time to shine i thought it was going to be so kicking chicken to answer your question i agree that i thought that maybe they would be able to throw in some wrinkles but here's the problem they found out saturday night so up until Saturday night, they thought Ben Roethlisberger was going to be in the lineup. And then they find out he's going to be on the COVID list. He's not going to be available. That's not a time to make drastic changes. Now, Mike Tomlin said on Tuesday that they are expecting to move forward with Mason Rudolph until they hear otherwise. So the plan that they're putting in place now is Mason's plan. So this will be interesting to me. This will be more of the, well, this is maybe what Mason can do that Ben doesn't like to do. Mason did say after the game that on on Sunday that they there were some things that they kind of ed, added and took out that maybe Mason likes this grouping of plays. But this might be the week that we actually see something. But if Ben comes back and plays, which we hope he does, let's be honest, then I think you're going to see it go back to the offense we have seen. I don't want to judge Matt Canada this year too harshly based on the fact that we have no clue what he wants to do and what he can't do based on the quarterbacks he has. All right, Allegheny Andy says he has, he has two questions. Cheater. Question one: Given the injuries, wouldn't it be an ideal? To, it wouldn't it be ideal to elevate some stud off the practice squad? We have Carl Joseph and Anthony Miller just hanging out. You will see a call up. You will see a call up, guaranteed. Unless they're all able to play, that's the only way. Then the second question, he says, Ben, if, if Ben is a no-go, wouldn't it be an ideal time to evaluate Haskins as QB1? What is there to lose? I'll tell you what there's to lose. A bunch of football games. Mason Rudolph gives you the best chance to win, whether you like it or not. He did not lose that game, nor did he win it. They tied on Sunday. And it's not like Mason Rudolph went out and threw four interceptions, looked inadequate, didn't look like he was prepared. He looked the part. He's a backup quarterback, people. I don't know what people expect out of this guy. He played, and I had coworkers that are fans of other teams say, man, well, what's up with Mason Murphy? He's a backup. He's not a starter. Never will be. That's all he is. Get over it. Allegheny Andy then uses ride or die crew. Hashtag, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Room Temp Mulligan says, would you buy Ravens season tickets and go to every game for three seasons if you knew that after the three, after that the Steelers would win three Super Bowls in a row. Okay, so this you're suggesting that I have to buy these tickets. 
go to every home game for three years, and that after that, the Steelers will win three in a row? Yeah, I would do it. Yeah, do it. It's not that far. It's like an hour and maybe an hour and some change to get there to M&T Bank Stadium. But also, if I knew that I would get to see all of those Steelers Super Bowls because I've already I've, I've paid my penance, so to speak, with the Ravens, I'll take it. Good, that's funny. Ivan, worst five and three, five three and one team. Man, you are tough. He said, "Can this season count as a rebuild season, whether we make the playoffs or not?" I'm going to go with the stock answer I have for this. The Steelers don't do rebuild seasons. They don't do bridge years like the Pittsburgh Pirates did, where they said, ah, we're just going to not count this one. Are they retooling as they continue to win? Yes, they are. You know, you, you see that they're stocking up with, look at all the young players on this team, whether it's guys like Loudermilk, Moore, Green, Fryermuth, Harris, Norwood, Harvin, and that's not to mention Claypool's still young, um, Carlos Davis, I mean, uh, Anthony McFarland. All these players are still extremely young. Kevin Dotson is a starter for crying out loud. They're all so young. Yeah, they're rebuilding. It's not a rebuild season. They are rebuilding as they win. I hope that makes sense. Rebuild seasons are for losing teams that say, well, this one's in the can. Let's just start looking for next year. The Steelers don't do that. They're savvy enough. They're smart enough that they are able to continue to win while they completely retool the, the roster. They did it before, thinking back to the 8-8 eight and eight seasons under Tomlin, and they were very competitive after. They're doing it again. The biggest question is the quarterback. Don't want to talk about that right now. Ken says, big fan of the Let's Ride and all of the other BTSE content. Thank you, Ken. As a fellow optimist, we're teacher and coach. Wow, he's like my twin. Where do you see the issue with the missed tackles? Is it a player and or coaching issue? Is it fixable? Sorry for cheating, asking three. You did cheat, but that's okay. So, the, uh, the issue with tackling, I think, is is really just a – it's a fundamental issue that it's difficult to, to fix in practice because you can't really hit too much anymore. So because you can't hit too much anymore, it limits what the coaches can and can't do. This isn't Chuck Knoll's era where they're in pads and they're popping pads every single time they, they go on the practice field. So they're kind of hamstrung for that. Um, I think that if I had to guess – uh, I would say that it is both a player and a coaching issue. Is it fixable? I think it is. The Steelers have shown they can tackle, like against Cleveland. We'll see. All right, next question. If you could pick one active defensive and one offensive player from other teams to be on the Steelers roster, who would you pick? Okay, if we're just having fun here, I'll take Aaron Donald on defense. And on offense, give me, I don't know, give me the biggest, nastiest center you have. <laughs> whoever that might be in the NFL, that's who I'll take. And he, Dale uses hashtag ride or die crew. Thank you very much. Brian, with another question, if you were to lose one for the season, who would hurt more, Ben, TJ, or Cam? Right now, it's it's not Ben. It's going to be TJ or Cam. I think it literally is a toss-up for me um, because Cam is so important to his position, but so is TJ. Can't lose either of those for the season. I just knocked on wood for all you superstitious out there. Steelers 48, 480, I'm sorry, says... The over-under for obviously in next week's post-game press conference is six and a half over or under. Um, I'm going to take the under. Mike Tomlin does not use the word obviously as much as he used to. Not sure if someone has kind of gotten in his ear about that. So I'm going to take the hard under there. Good question. Last question. British Owen David says, two questions, cheater. 
Why is the Tuit situation so top secret? Why are we not allowed to know exactly what issue the issue is? And if it is his knee, what has he done? So when a player is on injured reserve, the Steelers don't have to give you an injury report. That's how we find out this information about the injuries, unless someone lets the cat out of the bag, i.e. Keith Butler when he said it was a knee injury. Other than that, they they don't have to say a word about to it. We what are we don't we're not owed anything. The only reason they do injury reports is for gambling purposes. So for me, if Tua comes back this season, and I say if, then he'll be fine, and we'll find out then. If not, it is what it is. Hopefully he's back for next season. And then the second question is, how would you go about getting Devin Bush back to his best? What would you say to him if you were the linebackers coach? Hashtag Ryder.Crew. Thank you, Owen, for that. I appreciate it. For me, the biggest issue is with Devin Bush. In my opinion, you got to tell the guy that he just has to react. Like, just think back to when you were a kid and just play the game. Like, just play the game. There's so many people out there and they are constantly, they're in their own head. I feel like that's where he is. He's in his own head. Just play, just react. Trust your body, trust yourself. Last question just came in. Hot off the presses, Amendez says, will you please block anyone who suggests a Steelers-Bell reunion? It's inevitable. Someone will mention it. Already happened, Amendez. If you listen to the podcast, you know that. So there you go. All right, folks. Went long. I know you don't mind. I don't mind either. I loved spending the time virtually with my ride-or-die crew. So, hey, that's it for me. I'm going to be back on Friday. I think Blue Check Beck will be back. We need him back after that dud of a game. So let's hope he's back. I'll see you. Hey. Great time. Hope you have a great Wednesday. Hope you have a great rest of the week. I'll be back on Friday. In the meantime, be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great day. Go Steelers. Here we go.